A little Coldplay there. Uh, how many of you like Coldplay? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Good song, Paradise. We're in uh, this series, we're talking about breaking free. Breaking free from bad things, things that reduce our spiritual potential, things that diminish God's blessing our life. We're talking about things that kind of drive a wedge in our relationship with God and with other people. And these are things that, uh, if left unchecked, they destroy our lives. We're specifically looking at overcoming the seven deadly sins. You might think about these like seven destructive attitudes in life or character traits. And today's topic, as I said earlier, is envy. Envy is something we all battle to some degree or another. And envy invades from inside, much like many other sins. Envy kind of sets us up, gets us dreaming about what, what other people have. Para, para, paradise. You know, those things that they've got that we go, oh, wow, I want that. You know, we get dreaming about the, those things. And what happens is it steals. It steals your joy. It steals your satisfaction, and ultimately, if you're not careful, it'll steal your life. And so I want you to imagine for a moment, so that we can all get a handle on this, I want you to imagine that person at the office, maybe they're at the job site, at your school, maybe they're a neighbor, but that person that everybody loves to hate, you know, that, that person that everything seems to go right for them in their life. They, they get a promotion, they get the raises, they get the biggest bonuses. Maybe they got a great car and a great house and a great spouse. Maybe they just got back from an exotic vacation. Maybe they won the lottery for the second time. I don't know, but think about it. Pair, pair, paradise, that thing. Everybody got someone? No pointing, no pointing. Now, I want you to imagine... That you're driving to work tomorrow, and you see the police have them pulled over, all right? Now, I want you to be honest. What are you thinking right then? How many of you are hoping they get a ticket? <laughs> In fact, some of you, it's even worse than this. You, you imagine pulling over, maybe having a conversation with the officer. You know, officer, I think it's my duty to point out. They don't have their seatbelt on. <laughs> I'm pretty sure a few miles back, they were sw- swerving over the line. Is that a beer can? It's like 50 feet from here. I, I don't know about you. That looks a little suspicious to me. You know, maybe you ought to just go ahead and arrest them, maybe take them in for questioning. You never can be too safe, you know. Better safe than sorry. And so that's what goes through our mind. Friends, welcome to the wonderful world of envy. You know, the Apostle Paul, he writes these words. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. See, envy is a very tough topic to define. It's very complex. And it's doubly hard because we live in a society that's envy-oriented. Commercials focus on envy. You know, buy this product. People will envy you. I mean, it's as simple as uh, like L'Oreal. They say, why? Because you're worth it. 
You know, Mercedes Benz, the best or nothing. And it is a basic uh, principle in advertising. They call it capricious consumption. And it's the idea that uh, what's being promoted, whatever it is, that if, if you buy that product, then it makes you superior. And if you don't buy the product, you lack quality, you lack class. If, in other words, the brand, whatever it is, is supposed to communicate wealth and status and power. And it doesn't matter if it's good or not. Simply, you buy it. Why? So other people will envy you. You take a look at, uh, like, Facebook, Instagram. Lots and lots of envy-based posts take place. People uh, showing off something new. You know, people striking a, a pose. They've got on gorgeous clothes or some accessory that they're, they want you to see. People uh, looking great, you know, doing something really fun, visiting some exotic place. See, there are no posts, people going, hey, this is what I look like before morning coffee, you know. No. Here I am cleaning the toilets, you know. No, it's people looking their best, pair, pair, paradise. Envy, it's kind of a two-headed monster. See, not only do I want my grass to be greener, I'd kind of like yours to turn brown. (laughs) And that's envy. Envy is uh, being sad with someone else's successes in life. And it's really being a fan when they fail. The the New Testament says that the word envy, when you look it up, it, it means to have evil eyes. Because envy is a sin of the eyes. You know, when I look at something in your life, I see something that I want, and I see it as paradise. I want it. And I also see something I do not want you to have. I mean, where's envy at? Well, it's everywhere. Happens in homes in schools, happens at work, even happens in churches. The Bible is full of examples of envy in the, in the family, sibling rivalries, you know, Cain and Abel, you know, Jacob and Esau, Leah and Rachel, Jacob or Joseph and all of his brothers. Lots and lots of envy. You, you see envy in families sometimes. In fact, some of you dread getting together with family because whether it's a reunion or the holidays, the fact is you're going to be with relatives and you're going to get an earful of stuff. They're going to tell you about all the great things that are happening, you know, the engagement, the new baby, the promotion, the financial successes, the award. In fact, as I'm talking, some of you are turning green right now just thinking about that, right? You see it at work. There's professional jealousy. You know, a colleague closes a mega deal and people's eyes turn green. There's something I've uh, noticed through the years about this whole thing of envy. Uh, There's kind of a pattern. Accountants, 
are not envious of artists. They're envious of other accountants. You know, secretaries don't envy an actress. No, they, they envy other secretaries. Pastors don't envy athletes. We, we envy other pastors. You know, a gorgeous woman walks into a room. Some men check them out. That's another of the deadly sins and we'll talk about in a couple of weeks. But other women give them the evil eye of envy. See, envy, it's everywhere. You see it at school. You know, kids, they, they start comparing very, very young. They compare grades. They compare clothing. They compare the toys they have, their appearance, their abilities. It's everywhere. How many of you remember uh, the cheer? U, G, L, Y, you ain't got no? Bye. You know, envy is U, G, L, Y. It's ugly. Envy, it's listed in the New Testament with some ugly, ugly counterparts. Things like deceit, murder, drunkenness, orgies, hypocrisy, slander, stealing. I mean, do I need to keep going here? It's ugly. Why is it a problem? Why is envy a problem? Well, because the, there is an ugly reality if it goes unchecked in your life. It'll mess you up. James writes this, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Aren't they caused by the selfish desires that fight to control you? You want what you don't have, so you commit murder. I mean, he's taking it to the nth degree there. You're determined to have things, but you can't get what you want. You quarrel and fight. James says, it's a problem. Envy causes conflict in life. It destroys relationships. I've seen the best of friends get destroyed by envy. I've watched people as as one of the persons starts to kind of rise in their life. You know, maybe they get some recognition for something or promotion or raise, whatever. And as they begin that rise, as they begin to achieve more, to acquire more, what happens, all of a sudden, envy will raise its ugly head. And because of envy, many times you watch that relationship get destroyed. You know, it's a little bit like uh, playing basketball. And you're sitting on the bench in basketball. And the guy that plays the same position that you play, they're on the floor. And so they're on the floor, they're playing, they're playing ball, and, and they, they get a steal. And so they steal the ball, they're heading down the court, they're doing crossovers, and they're spinning around, they go behind their back, they, they mess up three defenders, don't even know what's going on, and finally they dunk the ball. And everybody's going wild in the stadium. And you're sitting there on the bench going, Eh, it's okay, a little sloppy, I think, you know. Or you start dreaming about them getting hurt. And when it happens, you're like, that's about time. I mean, what a crime. And that's how envy works. Envy is that consuming desire to kind of level the playing field in life. If you can't level up in your life, you want to level them down. And that's how envy works. You know, how many of you ever played King of the Hill? 
I don't think they let him play this anymore, by the way. But you remember King of the Hill? One person would end up at the top. Why? Because they pushed everybody else off the hill. And the fact is, we still play King of the Hill. We just do it in our offices. We do it in our companies. We do it in our neighborhoods. In fact, we do it all over America. You know, who's number one? Who's at the top? James says, for where there's envy and selfish ambitions, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. You know, envy will lead you to other sins in life. Envy leads you to lying and gossip and slander and anger and even murder. You know, the power of envy, it's profound. When you, when you look at Scripture, you see it throughout the Bible. I mean, envy leads Cain to kill Abel. Envy leads Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. Envy would lead the Pharisees to crucify Jesus. Envy, if you don't get a handle on it, will lead you to other sins. And I know while I'm talking, some of you are going, well, I don't have a problem with envy. Well, stay with me, okay? I think many times we get entangled in envy and we don't even realize it. Because we kind of camouflage envy in our lives. It goes something like this. Oh, well, she, she may be pretty, but, but I heard she's had some procedures. She doesn't even look real. Oh, sure, she's super mom. Yeah, but... You know what I heard? I heard her husband's running around. She's not even a good wife. Yeah, sure, he's smart, but look at him. What a dud. Yeah, he's successful. I bet he's cheating somebody. That's how you get ahead. And what happens is we camouflage our inferiority with a thing called gossip, with a thing called slander. We, we take those little cheap shots, and it's all being fueled by envy. And friends, it's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. When envy kicks in, it drives us to try and hurt an individual or hurt their reputation or whatever. But ultimately, the person that gets hurt the most, it's ourselves. Solomon writes, and these words are poignant. He says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but evil or envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. It will deteriorate your life. Envy will make you miserable in your life. I was reading a study. I was out of the University of Berlin, and it was very interesting. They said one in three people feel worse after looking at Facebook. They feel more dissatisfied with life because they're looking at all these posts of people having these wonderful lives, supposedly. 
And the researchers found that that negative experience was a result, when they dug under it, it was a result of envy. And so what they found was people would would look at Facebook and they would look at all these posts and then they would feel lonely and they felt frustrated and they felt angry and it was a major fuel, the envy was, to poor self-esteem. See, envy will steal your happiness. Envy will eat you up inside. And envy will always hurt you more than it hurts the person that you're fixated on or that thing. Envy gets in the way. Envy gets you looking at someone else's stuff. And while you're kind of resenting that, God, that God's been good to them, while you're resenting what's going on in their life, you're ignoring what God's doing in your life and the goodness in your life. And what happens is there's just a lot of depression in society, and it's really simply internalized envy in life. You hear it in phrases like this. It's not fair. They get, they get all the breaks Why can't anything like that ever happen for me? Envy will make you miserable in life. Envy will cause you to be depressed in life. There's a movie, uh, Armadeus, an older movie, but it's it's a great movie about rivalry between two composers, Antonio Soleri and uh, Wolfgang Armadeus Mozart. And Antonio cannot believe that a vulgar creature like Mozart could produce this fabulous music. In fact, he sees it as God's cruel joke. And he starts fantasizing about Mozart's demise in life. And ultimately, it drives Antonio insane. And it's all because of his envy. See, friends, you lose when you envy. If you found out today that you had cancer, you would deal with it. You'd get treated, wouldn't you? Envy is a cancer. Envy will destroy you. And envy is something that you've got to deal a deadly, decisive blow. You've got to do it. So, so how, do you, how do you get a handle on envy? You know, builders, they, they talk about uh, an R factor or the R value in things. It's the quality rating of insulation. And so they rate insulation and its ability to uh, kind of protect against the extreme temperatures or the elements, so to speak. How do you protect against envy? Well, I think you raise the R value in your life. We're going to look at some of those things. You know, Paul writes, he says, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they do not show good sense. So here's here's the first R, resist comparing. We've talked about this several weeks, haven't we? There's, There's kind of a theme. Comparing will mess you up. Comparing yourself to someone that's better than you will discourage you, and comparing yourself to someone that you're better than will lead to pride 
Comparing is problematic, and comparing is always the beginning of envy. You know, when you compare, you lose. When you see something they have, para, para, paradise, and you want it, when you start comparing what they have with what you have, it steals from you, doesn't it? It robs you. I, I, some of my earliest memories, and I, I tried to think about, you know, when, when did I really realize the damage of envy? I was in fourth grade. I got a green Stingray bicycle, banana seat, chrome all over. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, friends, I got that bike. I felt like I could take on the world. I I was jazzed. I was excited. I loved that bike. Two days later, my neighbor right across the street, David Rush, he got a bike with the new metallic paint job on it. Para, para, paradise. And I look at my bike, and I look at his bike, and my satisfaction was kind of down the drain. Why? Because I compared. Happens all the time in our lives. You know, you get moved into a new home. Maybe refinish a, a remodeling project or something feel pretty good about it. And then somebody invites you over to their house. And they got 500 extra square feet. They got better finishes. They got nicer decor inside. You know, you get a new car. You know, a computer, a phone, you know, whatever. You're okay till the new model comes out. Friends, comparing will rob you blind. It will steal your joy. Satisfaction will fly out of your reach. You'll, you'll be trying to get it, but you can't get it because you're comparing and you lose. Paul says each one of you should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. You know, parents, one of the things you need to teach your children is don't compare. Don't compare. As long as they're doing the best that they can do, don't worry about anything else. It's one of the keys to teaching your children satisfaction in life. You ought to take those moments when you have them and teach them that. Here's the second R. Recognize your uniqueness. If you want to break the grip of envy... If you want to avoid unhappiness because someone has something that you wish you had, you need to just recognize that God created you, that there's never been anybody on this planet like you. There's never going to be anybody that created like you. You are one of a kind, and that's all that matters. You know, David, he writes these words. He's speaking to God. He says, you shaped me inside and out. You knitted me together in my mother's womb long before I took my first breath. I will offer you my grateful heart. For I am your unique creation filled with wonder and awe. You have approached even the smallest detail with excellence. Your works are wonderful. I carry this knowledge deep within my soul. 
Friends, you are unique. You are one of a kind. Don't compare. Don't compare. Envy, envy is an expression of inferiority. You know, envy will cause you to battle with your self-esteem in life. I think I've shared this before, but it's like that, the cartoon. And uh, I love the cartoon. It shows a little, little kid, and he's talking. He goes, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I didn't want to be me. I wanted to be Billy. And Billy didn't even like me. You know, I walked like he walked. I talked like he talked. And then Billy began to change because Billy began hanging around Herbie. (laughs) And so he walked and talked like Herbie, and it mixed me all up. I began to walk and talk like Billy, who was walking and talking like Herbie. And it dawned on me that Herbie walked and talked like Joey, and Joey walked and talked like Corey. So I'm walking, and I'm talking, and I'm imitating Billy, who's an imitation of Herbie's version of Joey, who's walking like Corey. And do you know who Corey walks and talks like? Of all the people, Dopey Kenny. That little kid walks and talks like me. See, here we go. Some of you are totally lost right now, right? (laughs) My point is, learn who you are. Learn who you are. Develop your giftedness. Develop your talents. Develop your abilities. Accept your uniqueness. God created you. You know, I love the Jeremiah passage. God says to Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has a plan for your life. God has a good plan for your life. That does not mean that everything that happens in life is God's will, okay? It's not. And it does not mean that everything happens in life is good, Because not everything's good, but it all fits in the plan. And God takes the bad things in life, and God takes even the dumb things that we bring on ourselves, and God works with them and brings them together into a good plan and a good future. In other words, you do not need to envy anybody else because God has a plan for your life, and God has a plan for my life. And your plan and my plan, they're different but you make the most of what you've been given. And that's a choice you have to make in life. It's a choice you have to make. You know, Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes, he says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. You ever try and chase the wind? You know, longing for something wanting something that somebody else has, that para-para-paradise that we think we want and we're reaching for. And friends, you're chasing the wind. You're chasing the wind. Just accept who you are, your uniqueness. Rejoice, here it is, R, rejoice in what you have. This is a simple question. Are you grateful? Are you grateful? 
Are you grateful in your life? Or are you so busy worrying about what you don't have that you don't enjoy what you do have? You know, there's this myth that has society in a trance almost. And it is, I must have what everybody else has. I must do what everybody else is doing if I'm going to be happy in my life. And friends, that will make you go crazy in your life. Envy gets you on that wheel, wanting para, para, paradise. I want it, I want it. And it gets you longing and chasing and running after. And what happens is you miss the paradise that you already have in your hands. You already possess it. But you miss it because you're, I want that. Do you really think if you envy your neighbor or your colleague or whoever, if you envy them, you'll be happier? Do you? You know, Paul writes, he says, not that I have ever been in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. (laughs) He learned it. It's interesting. Someone's short, they want to be taller. Someone's tall, they want to be shorter. You know, I have met singles that want to be married. I've met married people that want to be single. You know, I, I have met people that have a talent, and what they want is a different talent. People that have this or that, but they want something different in their life. Paul says, I've learned to be content. It's something you must learn. Contentment does not come naturally. Envy does, though. I want what they have. I want that. I can't have that. I don't want them to have it either. If my self-esteem goes up when yours goes down, Or if my self-esteem goes down when yours goes up. Friends, if I get on that wheel and I start turning it, it will break me. It will destroy me. And guess what? It'll break you too. Some of you just need to enroll in Contentment 101. You need to understand that God has provided all that you need. Hear this. God has provided all that you need for your current happiness. Maybe not for next week. Maybe not next year. But all you need right now. And I don't want to be misunderstood because I'm not saying that you shouldn't have dreams. And that you shouldn't have desires. God created us to have those passions. And it's okay to admire something that someone else has. In fact, it's even okay to do the assessment and go, you know, I'd like to have that someday. That's not envy at that point. Envy is when you get to that point, I wish they didn't have that because I don't have it. I resent it because she's got it. Friends, you've got to learn to be content. You've got to learn to be content in in your life. And then you've got to respond with love. Respond with love. 
Paul writes, he says, love's patient, love's kind, love's not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Love is not envious. Envy, it's like a bullet in your life. It'll, it'll kill love. And hear this, you cannot love and envy at the same time. They're opposites of one another. So, so how do you overcome that whole thing of envy? Well, Jesus put it very, very simple, Matthew twenty two thirty nine. He says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor. You can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. All right? That's why we talked about you, you need to understand your uniqueness, that God created you the way that you are, with the talents you, that you have. And we're not talking about uh, selfishness here, but we're really talking about self-esteem in, in your life. And when you get to a point in your life that you can go, you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you can move forward. I mean, is it natural? No. Is it easy to do? No. Does society teach that? No. But friends, it's the way to be happy. It's the way to be satisfied in life. Love your neighbor. Not natural. It's just not. But you can work at it in in your life. You need God's love in your life. To love that jerk at work. To love that, that grumpy neighbor that yells at the kids. You know, the love that, that relative that says, I did this and I did this and I did this and guess what else? What happened? And this is how great my life is. And you need God's love to love them. Paul says, if some have cause to celebrate, join in the celebration. And if others are weeping, join in that as well. Envy does the exact opposite of that. Envy rejoices when other people fall, when other people stumble. And you weep when they succeed. And one way to find joy in life, some of you go, I don't have any joy in my life. Well, think about this. One of the ways you find joy is by enjoying other people's joy. See, there's something wrong if you cannot celebrate with someone that's getting married or having a baby. You can't rejoice with someone that's getting a promotion, a raise, a new car, a new home, or whatever. You will miss out on a lot of happiness that you could have in your life by just attaching with them and going, you know what, I'm celebrating with you today. And here's the last one. Refocus on pleasing God. You have to refocus on pleasing God. If you're going to defeat envy, instead of trying to impress other people, instead of chasing whatever it is that you're chasing, when, when you start looking at life from God's viewpoint, it's a new ballgame. It's a new ballgame. Paul says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. It's a shift in thinking. It's not seeing things that other people have as para, para, paradise, you know. I need that. I want that. That's going to be so wonderful. Friends, it's focusing on God's paradise. We're talking about heaven here. It's getting an eternal perspective in in your life. You know, begin begin to focus on, on those things. It changes everything. You know, think about it. 
Heaven or earth? Which one are you going to think about here? Have you figured out everything in this world is temporal? There are only two things that are eternal in this world, and that's people and God's word. Everything else, everything will pass away. It will become dust. It will rust. The cars, the homes, all that, it'll, it'll be gone. But when you focus on pleasing God in your life, when you, what happens is it readjusts your values. When I, when I focus on pleasing God, competition with you becomes irrelevant because it just doesn't matter. I'm not in competition with you. See, God created you. God created me. God put us on this earth, and he gave us some things to do, and we're to do them to the best of our ability in life. And when we focus on that, when I focus on that in my life, when I realize that much of the time that we, we spend in our lives desiring and acquiring and all this stuff that, that tends to get us so envious, all that stuff's not going to matter 100 years from now. It's just not. You know, sometimes life's unfair. God never said it would be fair. Sometimes bad people win. Sometimes the jerk gets a promotion. Sometimes the dishonest in life succeed at least on the world standards. Sometimes people that lack character, they will get the bid. Sometimes people that lack commitment get the nod in life. The proverb says, don't be envious of sinful people. Let reverence for the Lord be the concern of your life. If it is, you have a what? If I please God, if I make that my focus, I'll have a bright future. In other words, I'm not going to worry about the fact life's not fair. God has not written the final chapter. God will settle the score one day. When you realize that, when you understand that, when that really sets in, it's freeing because you don't have to try and right all the wrongs in life. And bottom line, just a little heads up, you can't do it anyway. So where is it? Where is it you struggle with envy? Because envy is a monster and it will break you. It will steal your life. It will destroy you. And when you give in to it, you lose. You always lose when it comes to envy. So the next time, next time you see something that somebody else has, and in your mind you're going, oh, paradise. Next time envy wants to raise its head, I challenge you to break the back on that monster and break free and focus on God's paradise. Envy? <laughs> we all deal with it. And I challenge you, break free from it. Break free. Let, let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we, um, we all battle with envy one level or another.
God, I know there are some today that would say, it has robbed me blind, stole my joy. God, I pray that we would uh, just break free. That we'd work at it. To not allow envy to get a foothold in our life. God, forgive us when we have. And God, help us to just be able to look at the things around us and uh, to celebrate when others are celebrating. To recognize when Envy's trying to kick in. God, we just uh, lay it at your feet. God, I know you have a plan for our lives. I pray that uh, more than anything, we just want to please you. We stay focused on you, focused on eternity. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Today's a uh, special day. It's uh, our... Day we celebrate in baptism. We have uh, quite a few people that have uh, taken a stand in their faith, and uh, now they're following in active obedience and being baptized. And uh, I just ask those individuals that are being baptized this morning to just stand up. We're going to pray for you, uh, and then we're going to, yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is a day you'll always remember. And God has brought you to this moment. You may be surprised you're standing this morning. God's not. God knew this day would would happen. Uh, And I know that today there's celebration in in heaven and uh, this congregation celebrates with you. And uh, we'd just like to pray for you right now. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we thank you for these individuals that uh, are standing, Lord. They're taking a stand for you. God, I thank you for the path that has led them to this point. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would continue to stir in them, to continue to grow them, and to, God, you just use them the way you see fit. God, we thank you for this day. God, I pray that those that have already taken this step that maybe today they'd remember that moment that it would be a source of encouragement of renewal God we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate as family and we give you the glory we give you the praise this day and every day God's people said those being baptized uh, you can go ahead and go prepare yourself for baptism uh I would ask us as a congregation, we're going to continue in worship uh, after we uh, are done in here. If you'll make your way out to to the front uh, of the building, we'll have our baptism service out there. And parents, if you would stop by, uh, get your children and bring bring them out. Uh, If you're not able, for whatever reason, to stay, if you wouldn't mind if you would exit out by the cafe doors that way uh, as we're proceeding in service out there uh, it's not disruptive so let's stand let's worship together this morning